Coming up on the Money Beat Podcast, it's Friday. It's the food fight. The stock market hitting highs every day this week, a new record high. What does that mean? We will hash it out. This is Money Beats. Everything you need to know about money and the markets, and then some. Now, financial food fight. Welcome to the Food Fight on Friday. Paul Vini, Stephen Grosser from the Money Beat crew here in the studio. Jack Otter also in the studio with us from Barron's and up in Boston calling in. Chuck Jaffe, Market Watch's Chuck Jaffe. Gentlemen, how are we all? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Once okay. again, I mean, I think we, I'm going to play Paul today. And, and once again, we are gathering in the wake of a horrible, yeah. horrible event. And uh, sometimes it almost seems silly to talk about you know, stocks and know. bonds and so forth. But... That's what we do. As yeah, you out and, and, and so grocer, you you've been to Nice, right? Yeah, you had been there. I was I, I was there for about three weeks back in the mid nineties. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful town. Right, uh, loved it. And it will be again. And it will be again. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, I mean, obviously, just terrible news. It's all over. You know, look, it's all over our website. It's all over the place. I mean, you you can get that news. We get paid to talk about the markets, and the the market's not really moving today. I mean, obviously, the, the the tragedy in France has kind of put a damper on everything. But you look at certainly look at the the major indexes here in the U.S. and the four previous days this week, every single day, the I think it was both the Dow and the S and or maybe it was just the S and P set a, a fresh record. If we were able to do that on Friday, the jury's still out. Right. It would be the first so-called perfect week since 1998. Right. Wow. Yeah, I'm glad that you knew that one. Yeah. I saw that one, too. Yeah, Howard yeah. Schillett, I think, pulled that out. Uh, I saw Ryan Dietrich. Okay. Yeah. One of the technical analysts, you know. So you, you have this situation where U.S. stock market just riding along at higher and higher, you know, all-time records there. The bond market's still doing what the bond market is doing. I mean, it's, it's off the the lows no, it is. on the ten year, it's come yeah. up. Right, the yields you know rose um, quite a bit, yeah. but they're still relatively speaking still historically. <laughs> yeah. So the the question I want to talk about here is is what do we make of all this? Do we make what do we make of all? This? That's what I want your take on. I'll give mine to you. You know, but like, what do you what do you when you, when you look at this market? What do you see, Jack? What do you see? Uh, well, a couple of things. One, I would have to go back to Tina. There is no alternative. Uh, people are putting their money in stocks because not only can you get more yield than you can get from the you know, so-called risk-free rate, uh, but they keep on going up. And so as long as they keep on going up, people keep buying. At some point, that's got to stop. Um, it's really hard to justify the current valuation levels. But I don't have many better ideas other than good old you know, diversify, um, yeah. which, which has been working. You know, I'm gold. Uh, we, we, I think I said this last week. Gold has done fabulously. Gold miners even better. And I don't like gold. <laughs> I don't recommend it to people. Right. Yeah, but I the mean, point much... is that if you diversify your portfolio, you know, you're going to have some winners. I'm, right. If I like anything right now, and it's not a short-term trade, um, I think most people are probably underweight emerging markets. And emerging markets, by many measures, are one of the cheaper things out there. Uh, so, you know, I'm not and, saying and, and rallying right now. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, like. I think that's the thing. I mean, you know, in the, this market, I mean, you see people are pushed out further and further on the risk curve, and they're, they're are, you know, and they're going to emerging markets. I mean, it's not actually U.S. stocks right. or corporate U.S. corporate bonds or high yield anymore. They're going all the way to emerging markets, but which are still far below yeah. their highs. So that is, in many ways, a better trade. 
I mean, I just think this is a melt higher. I mean, if you look at what we're seeing is, you know, it started Friday with the jobs number. The economic data has been stronger recently. It's sort of put the idea that we're falling off the cliff or going into a recession um, out of, you know, the market's mind. Um on the other hand, you have you know central banks around the world. People are expecting Japan, the Bank of England, maybe the ECB to um, you know come in with fresh sort of stimulus. You have a Fed that no one thinks is going to really act until probably December at the earliest. Um, you know that's. You know, we're not seeing the like stocks surge right now. I mean, yes, we're at record highs. Yes, we had a big bounce on Friday. But, I mean, how much has the S&P gone up this week? I mean, it's not like right. it's up 5 6%. It's, uh, you know, it's up I mean, a it's bit up, above 1%. It's, it's up pretty sharply from the lows of the, the post-Brexit sell-off. Right. But it, from it, there, it's up but pretty like, But even that week, I mean, it took the... Those lows well, right. right back. Right. I mean, it was two days of selling, and then it it's, yeah. it bounced back pretty strong. This, I mean, this week since the jobs report, I mean, it, it, you know, if you take out the Friday, it's been you know sort of a slow edge yeah. higher, and I think right. we're going to see more of that. Yeah, Chuck, so, what do you think? Well, here I'll I'll give you the ridiculous headlines. What do I see when the S and P hits twenty one fifty ish, and the Dow hits eighteen five? Um, I can look ahead. And say that hopefully within my lifetime, assuming that I live long enough, that I will live to see S&P 15,000 and Dow 150,000. How long do you plan on living? Well, that's 30 years. That's 30, 30 years? years from now. Well, here's, here's how I do that math, right? Yeah. If you assume a, a return of slightly better than 7%, so less than 7.5, but a little more than 7 you're going to double every two years, right? Every, uh, every, ten, sorry, every two years. Every ten years. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to double every ten years. Yeah. So if you are at, you know, 18,500 today, right? Let's make this math really easy. We'll make it 18,750, just a little bit above where we are. Your first double, you're at 37,500. Your second double, you're at 75,000. And your third double, you're at Dow. One hundred fifty thousand, and so S and P beats the CD to get to fifty thousand. So, so if you just say, look, a seven percent return on average for the rest of my lifetime is not something that is unreasonable. It certainly isn't going there in a straight line. Mm-hmm. It's not going there without the effects of inflation and everything else. And we won't say that that everything is going to be worth the same. But if the numbers are meaningful to you. And you're younger than I am, and I'm 54. You should be able to see Dow 150,000 squarely in your sights. And oh, by the way, you need it to happen. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You need it to happen. What if it doesn't happen? Because people throw out big numbers all the time. They've been doing it for 20. They've been doing it for 20, 30 years, right? Uh, and and it hasn't really happened quite that way, has it? Well, okay. My favorite speech that I ever have been to on the market was a guy named Bill Berger in 1994 talking about Dow 116,200, I believe was the number he came up with. And it was where he had been in the business for 40 years, and the growth from when he started when the Dow was at like 500 or something like that up to where it was in 94 
if that pace continued, get, you'd get to 116,000. And here we are more than 20 years later, and it doesn't feel like we're on pace, but we actually are. We're on pace for 116,000 by 2040, hmm. practically spot on. So it's the proverbial climbing the wall of worry. It's the market gets to new highs and we go, how dangerous is this? And what we should be going is, oh, thank goodness, because we need to have a lot of days where the market is generally moving higher from records. Yeah. I guess, no, well, I'd say the, the, the only damper I would put on that is that we are starting right now from a fairly high valuation by a lot of different measures, which doesn't mean, which really doesn't affect where the market's going to be 30 or 40 years from now, but it means you might wait a while before you can string together too many years of 7% annual returns. Yeah. Well, that might be the case, but let's also go the other way. You know, if you look at demographics and you talk about everything about the baby boom, that's fine. But you're also getting to the point where, hey, all those millennials, they're getting to where they're getting into their consumptive years, buying houses, doing all that other stuff. You have a demographic backdrop that potentially could be very good for the economy for a long time. All right, wait, let's take a break. We're going to have to unpack. We have to take a break. We'll come back on the other side of this important message. Hi, this is Jason Gay, sports writer at the Wall Street Journal, and I have a podcast called Free For All. And guess what? It's not just sports. We'll also talk about some real estate, some music, some culture, some fashion. I could talk about fashion. It's the Free For All. Become a subscriber on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at WSJ Podcasts. And check us out at WSJ.com slash podcasts. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Food Fight. Hey, folks, for more great podcasts, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. We have a lot of things out there for you. Your Money Matters, the free-for-all, speakeasy, heard on the street, WSJ opinion. Lots and lots of good stuff out there for your uh, your summer beach listening pleasure or your commuting displeasure or if you're just uh, interested in personally edifying yourself. And did you get Chuck Show in there? Yeah. Thank you very much. I did not get Chuck show in there. Another great uh, podcast. Uh, Chuck, what's the name of that podcast again? It's Money Life with Chuck Jaffe, and it's at moneylifeshow.com. And we're an hour of talk every day for your commuting and your working out and other pleasure. And we're pretty much available every place that all the WSJ podcasts are, Stitcher and iTunes and what have you. And then Spotify. Moneylifeshow.com. Wow. All right. And had an excellent interview with our colleague, Spencer Jacob. Oh, yeah. You talked to Spencer? I did, indeed. We're going to have him next week, right? Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, look out for that. His book is really good. Yeah. It was Heads I Win, Tails I Win. Spencer Jacob. It's about investing and and about not being a dumb investor, which is why I'm sure you loved it, Chuck, right? (laughs) Not that you're a dumb investor. I'm not saying, like, you know. Look. I think it's it's speaking to what you appreciate, yeah. When we talk to Spencer, we consider him a journalist the way you guys are journalists and I'm a journalist. But Spencer started as an analyst. Right. And he's got that over me, at least, if yeah. not you guys, for sure. Yeah. So, no, he's got it over us, definitely. We're you know, analysts. So I can say that things are I know he's a very good analyst, too. Right. Right. So uh, there you go. Look out for all those podcasts, folks. We're, we're talking about the markets and get back to that. And the, the thing I think is really interesting is when I look at these markets, and especially look at it in terms of the stock market at record highs, the bond market at record lows, those two things are not supposed to 
What? Well, like I said, the, the bond market's at a record high because yields are at a right, record right, low. Right, 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 yeah. right. Bond market yields are at record lows. Stock market price indexes are at record highs. Those two things are not supposed to occur at the same time. I mean, usually those two things say very different things also, but you're getting them both at the same time. Obviously, a lot of that is because of what the central banks have done to the capital markets. But it makes me wonder how much can you really trust what you're seeing in the markets right now? And moreover, in the stock market, I know you have a situation where Certainly year-to-date this year, uh, assets under management in funds are lower. People have not been putting a ton of money into the stock market. You have corporations buying hundreds of billions of dollars worth of their own stock every quarter, buying it back. That not only helps push up prices, it helps their earnings per share look better when you net it out because on a net basis, they are lowering their shares outstanding account. So you, you, to me, you have a lot of signals that don't actually say yes. The market should be at a record high. I will. I will. Jason Zweig. Well, Jason Zweig had a post or a yeah. column out this week that sort of pushes back on some of the conventional wisdom there. Um, first of all, if you in, include inflation, this is not the first time that rates or the yield on treasuries have been so low uh, while the stock market was hitting you know, highs. In 1958, when you include inflation, rates uh, on the 10-year were negative, and the market gained 58%. So, you know. And you had a very different Fed back then, I would point out. I mean, the, the, regardless, I'm just Martin saying, had. if you have, you know, tre- you know, treasury, ra- you know, yields were re- negative, and yeah. you had the market going to all time not highs. on, not the ten years, uh, ten years, shorter, shorter ten term, year. right? Ten year, ten year, ten year was negative when you include inflation. When you adjust for inflation, yes. All right. So then, so what is the, okay? And then, and then he also quotes an interesting study in it, in, in his um, piece as well. Since 1913, U.S. stocks have gained an annual average of 9.3 percent when interest rates fall, but only 2.3 percent in periods of rising rates. And bonds have returned an average of 3.6 percent annually in periods of falling rates, but only 0.3 percent um, when rates rise. And that's since nine two, uh, you know, nineteen thirteen. And I, I thought those were interesting. No, those, those are those do push back on the sort of conventional wisdom that I think people expect. But this is an unusual time. One of the silliest things that analysts write is they say visibility is not very good right now. Visibility is never good. You know, it, yeah. it, nope. Whenever, in fact, whenever you think visibility is good, is probably when it's worst. That said. There are very few, except for maybe Zweig's you know, examples, there aren't that many historical precedents to fall back on now. It, it is a tougher one. Yeah. Um, and look, the 50s were a completely different world. The United States was the only game, literally the only game in town. The rest of the world was, was trying to rebuild itself after the war. So the, the, the 50s were the, were the actual golden age of America. I mean, it was a completely different landscape than what we have today, completely, on every single level. So this time is different. <laughs> this time, the, the backdrop I mean, like, is very different. That's, yeah, that, the that's backdrop a, is very different. I mean, like, you know, you, you can't, I, I sort of will say, you can't have it both ways. You can't say, you know, this time is different and slog all the people who are saying that for when they're being bullish and then say, when it's, oh, it's fine to say that when you're being I, I, bearish. I'm not, I'm not slogging anybody anything. I'm just saying 
the 1950s America were not I don't the same disagree. I don't, as I don't the disagree with that. Yeah. I mean, you know, but I do think that you can't necessarily that that's a big hole in the argument. I do agree. The interconnectedness this you know, right currently that we see across the world has made the Fed's job, the central bank's job incredibly complex um, because you know, like the you didn't have to really take into account what you know, the Bank of Japan, what the you know, the uh, ECB, what the Bank of England was doing, you know, sort of before. I mean, the way the world and the flow of money is working is, I mean, I think made these markets much more complex and harder to figure out. And that speaks to Paul's point about the stock market and the bond market not hitting, are not supposed to hit new highs together. Well, we're seeing so much more correlation now, which is probably related to that connectedness. Uh, So everything kind of goes up together, which is great when it's going up, but could be ugly when it goes down. Chuck, well, right. you have people using you have people using stocks as bond proxies right now, right. And all those other sorts of things. So it'll be very interesting. And at the same time, because of the way the market is right now, and because people can't sort of take their money away. And by the way, I'm not sure, Paul, where you got your stats on fund flows. Fund flows have been up and down, but they've been trending up this year. They're down so, year to date, according to Bank America. Well, I'll trust the Investment Company Institute numbers, which is the trade association for the fund world, uh, over that. But okay, well, the the uh, but under any circumstances, you know, the, it's sort of wondering how long this gets propped up. You know, does there come a point where people finally do something, or are we in a situation where basically, yeah, you can defy gravity for a lot longer than we've ever been able to do it before? And no, I hate the words. This time, it's different. That's just you can't. Let's never say those. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, this is this is exactly like the America in the 1950s. I'm sorry, I was wrong. <laughs> no, I, it's not that it's exactly like that. It's that, trust me, somewhere at some point there has been something where you can say, yeah, I can draw parallels. You can draw parallels to just about anything. But to allow yourself to make adjustments on the basis of this time it's different, that's the problem. All right. Because once you say this time it's different, you stop looking at everything else. I'm not not looking. All right. Anyhow, that was one point I was making. I listen. Jason's a very smart guy. You are all very smart gentlemen. So you know. No, I think the I think the point that Jason's bringing up, and I think that you know, and and Chuck is that like yes. Is, is is our current period identical to 1958? No. There are plenty of differences. But there are probably similarities that we can look at and draw from and, you know, sort yeah. of make and, an and analysis. And my, my larger point also and is that not— And that goes for both, my, like, my, the bearish and the bullish my, case. My larger point is that I think you have a situation where central banks have really, really intervened in the capital markets to such a degree that I think it is hard to trust on a fundamental level the signals that are being sent out. I, I just think that. I just do. Now, does that mean things are better or worse? I, I don't really know because I don't trust the signals. But I'm just saying I think it's really hard to look at this in a world where central banks have put trillions of dollars into the global economy and say, oh, yeah, these, these are clearly these are fundamentally sound numbers. And I think the fact that you have stock market highs and bond yield lows at the same time illustrates that. That's the only point I'm making. You want to agree with it or don't, that's fine. But that's the point I'm making. Okay. No, I have and made that way. I have far less problem with it. Okay. Well, good. <laughs> I'm glad we could come to that. Uh, I guess we should leave it there, right, Tanya? I think uh, we've. Can we oh. just ask one question? Yes. Is anyone actually playing Pokemon Go? Uh, yeah, that's right. Or are your children? Plenty 
of people are, just none of them happen to be on this podcast. Okay. Right. All right, just checking. I, I, right. I didn't really know what Pokemon was before this thing even. I'd heard the name. I don't know. What, what, is, po- what is Pokemon? I, it wasn't and is a it player. pronounced Pokemon? I don't even know that. Well, probably and not. But by English, if you're English, you can or American, you can say it however you want because yeah. it's not our word. But uh, <laughs> uh, no, I didn't know before. But it's taken the. Apparently, there are more people using it than Twitter. And the stock. I heard something Nintendo crazy stock like that. Yeah, has doubled since January twenty. I mean J- June twenty seventh, and it only owns one third of this thing. And there's the Japanese bank that has a big stake in in, uh, Nintendo that saw its shares, like, you know, spike, I think, 20% on Monday or Tuesday because solely because of their stake in Nintendo. That's Uh, a little scary. That's like the New England fishing company that had net in its name and skyrocketed in 1995. Well, the other thing, too, is I think you never want your bank shares to perform just because they own a stake in (laughs) something else. I I think uh, the the third arrow of Abenomics now is Pokemon Go. (laughs) I think that's what's become. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's leave it there. Paul Vini, Stephen Grosser, Jack Otter, Chuck Jaffe, everyone. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend, and we will catch up with you next week. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously.